you have your Bibles, book of Luke chapter 12 and beginning at verse number 13. At this time, we'd like to dismiss all of our Sunday school kids to their classrooms and their teachers as well. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids and God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. Praise God. It's good to be back home, as was already, as already mentioned, and to be worshiping. And I love when I come home and I feel the power of God flowing like it's flowing. And I know that God has been doing great things this last week, was able to be in church online. And Brother Puller ever more preached in the Holy Ghost. How many is thankful for the ministry of Brother Puller? Amen. I, I thought Sunday when I was listening, I thought, man, this is, this is an incredible word. And I thought, it just doesn't get much better than this. And then he came back on Wednesday night, and he just ministered in the Holy Ghost in a way that only, uh, only he could minister to us. And I feel like God's really connecting us up with Brother Puller and really uh, just kind of helping us in that, in that mode. You know, we need all the fivefold ministry. Amen. We need all the fivefold ministry. The Bible says that the fivefold ministry is for the perfecting of the saints. Amen. We all need God to work on us, and I thank God for the man of God as he came and ministered. He ministered to me as well, and, uh, and thank God for that, and everybody said amen. I also want to say thank you to all those that, uh, for our music team and our worship team that just they had to be flexible a little bit, but I want to say thank you for this last week, just making it happen. And I felt the anointing of the Holy Ghost as they were singing and praising and playing. And I thank God for that. Amen. Are you thankful for great godly worship? Praise God. We were able to go this last week to my in-law's 20th pastoral anniversary. 20 years. And it, it made me think about how many miracles and how many lives have been changed in 20 years. And it made me consistently think about what more God wanted to do here in Carson City. Amen. What more things. The years are going to tell its story. Amen. One day we're going to be there, and it's going to tell a story of all the great things that God has done. And it made me excited to get home and get back to work. Amen. And just keep winning people to God and keep pushing the kingdom forward and keep pushing the darkness back. And everybody said amen. And uh, I felt this word this last week as I was as I was there and, and just really felt like it would be uh, that I needed to come home and minister this. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 13. And one of the company said to him, Master, I'm sorry, I, I gave you the wrong verse. I didn't give you the wrong verse. I gave you one of the verses, but let's go to Ma Matthew chapter 25 verse 14. I was torn on which one to start with, and I put that one ahead of it. Praise God. Forgot to move it out of the way. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. Praise God. I had too many verses I wanted to read, and I, I'd have you standing for six months, and I didn't want to do that to you. So I decided I'm going to go with the easier to read verse. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Amen. If you got it, say amen. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And he gave unto one, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, 
to every man according to his several ability. Notice how God did not give them something they were incapable of handling. You ought to turn to your neighbor and tell him, God thinks I'm capable. God thinks you're capable. And straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which hath received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee. I'd probably translate this a little different. I thought I knew thee. I thought I knew thee. That thou art a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury or with interest. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given. This is a kingdom principle. To everyone that hath shall be given. This is not socialism. This is not communism. This is not the world's economic system. This is God's way. To him that hath shall be given. And he that hath not. Amen. Let's go back to verse I'm sorry. Take therefore the talent from him, give it to him which hath ten talents. For unto one, everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Another version of that that we could have read today simply says this. It shall be taken away even that which he seems to have. Amen. And I want to preach for a few moments on this subject. Use it or lose it. Amen. Use it or lose it. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building. Amen. I believe that God's going to help every one of us advance in the kingdom. Amen. If you believe that, would you pray with me? I believe God's going to add to us. Hallelujah, Lord. I want to be of those that you add to, that you 
amen, multiply and that you would add and use, amen, your gifts and your abilities, God, amen, and that you would multiply the gifts and abilities that you have already given to me, God. Hallelujah, that when you return, you would not get just what you gave me, but, God, you'd get back more. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray, God, help us to go after more here tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name, somebody clap your hands and give the Lord praise. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a few moments here today. Amen. I'm still on that floor at the time. I must be struggling. Amen. Fumbling over my words and my scriptures. Amen. Use it or lose it. In our text here today, Jesus is using a, pure, a parable to illustrate a spiritual lesson. This parable here is one of the most famous parables that Jesus spoke of. Many of us have heard, heard it, read it, heard it preached. Man, there's a lot of lessons that can be gleaned from it. This parable features a master who entrusts his servants with different amounts of talents or money before he goes on a long journey. And it is in this story that the master has determined, I'm going to put things in your hand based on your ability. Amen. I'm not going to give you something that you are not able to handle, that you are not able to control. Amen. I want to tell you how God operates. When God gives us gifts, God gives us gifts knowing that we are going to be able to use them. God never gives you anything with the intent that it is going to become stagnant or it's going to become ineffective or unused. God always puts things in your hand. Amen. Somebody said, well, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. I think that's hogwash. That's a good excuse for somebody. Well, if you're not gifted in any way, God wants to use the area you're not gifted. I want to tell you that's not biblical. God wants to use the areas where you're gifted. Well, I'm, I can't use that for the Lord because God doesn't, doesn't use the qualified. And if I'm qualified, that means God's not going to use me. I want to tell you that's hogwash that somebody came up with to boost somebody else's self-esteem. I want to tell you that's not in the Bible. The way God operates is God put into a man's heart, amen, the gifts and the talents and the abilities, amen, and what God wants to use is God wants to use what he put in you. And God wants to get out of you. In other words, if God put it in you, you're qualified for it. If God gave it to you, you're qualified for it. Amen. You don't need man's approval. You don't need other people's approval. You don't need a whole uh, choir quartet to get behind you and give you approval. When God put it in you, he said, I'm putting it in you because it's there. Amen. Because there's a gifting there, and that gifting is going to be utilized. And that gifting is meant to be used. Amen. This is why God will call people like Gideon and say, Thou art a mighty man of valor. He's, he's never fought a battle, never done a war, but God said, I already put it in you. Amen. I already, I already put that. Amen. This is where David can be anointed as king. Amen. While he's just taking care of sheep and say, I'm not qualified. And God would look at him and say, I already put it in you. Amen. That anointing that flowed on your head was just confirmation. Amen. That, that, was, that was just confirmation of what I already put in you. Uh, Moses, his name literally means to be drawn out. And every time you see Moses, uh, amen, and, and he looks towards God and say, I don't have the ability. God will look down from heaven and he'll say, 
he'll ask him questions like he did at the Red Sea. What is in your hands? What do you have at your disposal? What do you have that I've already put in you? And what you have is what you need. And if you could ever access what you have, if you could ever get beyond the, the low self-esteem over what you have, Moses, you're going to part waters. Gideon, you're going to fight battles. David, you're going to rule a nation. Too often we think, well, I'm just not qualified. I want to tell you, if God gives it to you, you're qualified. Amen. Now, there is a difference between the calling and the sending. We could talk about that another time. Just because you got a calling doesn't mean you've hit the time of sending. And timing is everything. David was anointed to be king, and God sent him back to the sheep. Amen. Because it wasn't timing yet for him. Amen. And, and timing is very important. But, but this parable is giving us this understanding that God gave to them severally as he saw their abilities. I want to tell you, the master knows us better than we know ourselves. Amen. I know what it is to think, God, I sure wish I could be like so-and-so. I wish I had the gifts, talents, and abilities that they had. And yet I have been in the same boat. I don't want to get ahead of myself where I have forsaken the gifts, talents, and abilities that God put in my life because I'm too busy focusing on I wish I had what they had or I wish I could do what they could do. Amen. I want to tell you, God puts things in your life and God will bring you into certain circumstances because he knows that this is what I've made you capable for. And this parable tells us it's the king that before he goes on a great journey, he puts these things in the hands of the people. This is Jesus telling the parable of the kingdom of God, that he is the great master. He is the great merchant. Amen. He's the one that goes out, amen, looking for a treasure in the field. He is the one that goes out looking for the pearl of great price. He is the one that goes out into a far country, Amen. But I've got news for you. He is also the great king. He is also the great merchant. He is also the great master of the house that is not just left into a far country with no intention of ever coming back. Amen. We serve a king. We serve a master. We serve a merchant that he has gone off into a far journey. Jesus said it this way. I go that I might prepare a place for you. He said, but if I go away, I shall doubtless come again. I've come to let everybody know that in the between of the calling, amen, and the sending, uh, there is also a day that's coming where the king is coming back, uh, the master's coming back, uh, the merchant's coming back. I think it's important that we get this revelation uh, that he didn't just leave things in your hands uh, and he just didn't just give the church gifts, uh, amen, for them to be stagnant, uh, but he's coming back for the church. Uh, he's coming back for the souls. Uh, he's coming back for the people. He's coming back for the revival. He's coming back for the gifts. Uh, he's coming back for the talents. Uh, he's coming back. 
Can I preach to everybody that they, the Bible says that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. The, the Bible tells us in Noah's day that he built an ark, and until the day of the, the rain began to fall, when the rain fell, he entered in the ark. But during that in-between time, people made fun of Noah. They made fun of Noah and his family. They made fun of his boat. But the moment that they looked up to heaven and the first sprinkle of rain started coming down, everybody started shutting their mouths. Amen. I want to tell you, there's people that would mock the church when we say Jesus is coming back. There are people that would make fun of us and say we're a bunch of end-time nuts that would say Jesus is coming back. But I want to tell you, as sure as the rain fell in the days of Noah, as certain as the rain fell in Noah's day, Jesus is coming back. Is there anybody that's excited for their master to return? Is there anybody excited for the king of kings to return? Let me just say this. The, the, the return of Jesus is, is not, how do I want to word this? <laughs> the second coming of Jesus is not a threat to the church. The second coming of Jesus is not a threat to the church. It's not a threat to your family. It's not a threat to your ministry. It's not a threat, amen, to your city. The second coming of Jesus is a promise to the church. The Bible says we are to comfort one another with these words, that in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. We shall be like him. I just want to preach to the church and comfort you for just a moment that one day Jesus is coming back, oh glorious day. One day Jesus is going to split the sky and he's looking for a church. He's looking for a people. He's looking for servants that have been faithful over little. I just want to remind somebody, lest we forget why we've been called to be faithful, because Jesus is coming back. Why we've been called into the kingdom, because Jesus is coming back. Why God's put things in our hands, because Jesus is coming back. So we got to do something with it. Jesus is going to return, and it could be at any moment. Jesus is not coming soon. He's coming unexpectedly. And there's a big difference. Soon has to do with time. Unexpectedly has no time frame. In an hour when men don't expect it, when they are least likely to observe it. I want to tell you, right now, our world, they got their eyes on everything but Jesus. And they don't expect it. Amen. I think the church, we got to be ready at any moment. And when you understand the concept that there's a king, a merchant, a master that gives gifts unto his servants and that this king and this master is going to return to see what his servants have done, it makes the entire parable make sense. It's that middle portion that we are currently living in. It's that in-between moment that we right now, as I'm preaching to you, we are living in that moment. We're not living in the moment where he's giving the gifts. He already gave the gifts. Amen. In fact, if you're in this building, I want to tell you God's already equipped you with everything you need to succeed in God. 
God has supplied all the riches in Christ Jesus. He has made sure he has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Everything that we have need of, he has already supplied it. He has already provided it. He is in Calvary. He's done it all. And one day he's coming back for it. And when we consider those two points, it takes that middle portion. It puts an emphasis there. What do we do in the in-between? I want to tell you, your entire life is living in that in-between moment. This is one of the most important things I will ever say to this church, that what we are doing in the in-between will make all the difference in eternity. I want to tell you it, that, that it, it does not matter, amen, before you're born what happened. And it doesn't matter long after you're dead what happened. What matters is when you are on this earth uh, in between, amen, the master dying on Calvary and going away and the master coming back and returning, that in-between moment called human history that we're living in right now, amen, I want to tell you what we do in that moment, uh, in that space of time that God has given us, in the life that God has given us, that makes all the difference uh, in eternity the story that jesus tells there are two of the servants that deal wisely they invest and they double the talents that they were given and as a result they are commended by their master upon his return they took it and they did something with what god gave to them turn to your neighbor and tell him you got to do something you got to do something Amen. I love preaching faith. I do. I love preaching faith. But I feel like I'm a little more James than I am Paul. You'll understand that as you study the Bible. Paul and James seem to have an argument. James, Paul's always like, have faith, have faith, have faith. And John, James is like, faith without works is dead. I'm a little more James than I am Paul. Amen. But there is that element there. You got to do something. Hallelujah. We cannot just sit back and relax until Jesus comes. I, I remember traveling the country, and there were some places I went, and I have nothing wrong with old songs. We sing them around here just, for, just to remind ourselves of where we came from. But the I'll fly away mentality. One glad morning when this weary life is over, I'll fly away. Hey Amen. I want to tell you, that's, that's not a good mentality to have in the kingdom. Because that's a mentality that says, I get up out of here. Let's just hurry up and get this thing over with. And we forsake doing anything in the middle time. And we're just looking for the time that he gets us out of here. Amen. But I want to tell you, there were the two servants that they had an understanding. Uh, he didn't give me these things and give me these talents and give me this money and give me this ability for me to sit back and rest in my laurels. Uh, but God has put it in my hands because he knew I would do something with it. I want to tell you, if God's ever gifted you, if God's ever given anything to you, don't just let it sit back. you got to do something with it. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Now, we often think that the guy that was given five, that the master loved him more. It's not true. It's just that he had a different ability. And it is also false for us to think and make the assumption that he did well because he had five. Yeah, there's people in this building, man, if I had a million dollars. Man, I, I'll tell you what you do with a million dollars. Exactly what you do with ten dollars. Well, praise God. Well, I'd do so much with ten million dollars. Brother, you wouldn't even know what to do with ten million dollars. 
Amen. If I had, no, God knows exactly where you need to be, and God knows exactly where I need to be because, amen, he, wants to, he doesn't want to overload us. Amen. And I want to say this. God has not given more to somebody uh, for them to do less with it. Amen. To whom much is given, the Bible says, much is required. And there are people in this building, God's given a lot to you. I'm not just talking about money. It could be time, talents, treasure. You could fill in the blank on whatever it might be. It might be anointings. It might be callings. God's given a lot to you. Amen. And, and I want to say this. God will require much of those that he's given much to. Amen. If you've got a lot in your life, you ought to give God praise. If God's blessed you, you ought to give God a great praise and a great shout and say, thank you, Lord. But you ought to praise him with understanding. Now, God, help me to do something with what you gave to me. Help me to enact what you've given me. Help me to... He didn't love one group more than the other, nor was one slated for success because he had more. In fact, the story did not even have to go that the man with five talents ended with five more. The story is not about duplication and doubling. We think that it's like, oh, if I have five, I need to create five more. That's not what that's saying. That man with five could have started with five and ended with four. And the master, in my opinion, would not have judged him. Would not have judged him. It depends on what he did with it, of course. But the fact is that the whole point of the story is what they did with it. Amen. Amen. We talk about the third man, the third servant. He operated in fear, not faith. Uh, amen. He buried the one talent he was given instead of putting it to work. Uh, the third man had a revelation about the master that the other two did not seem to have. But instead of using this revelation to make something happen, instead of using this revelation to his advantage, uh, he was that instead of using this to work with what he was given, he allowed this revelation to cause him some analysis paralysis. Instead of allowing it to propel him forward, he allowed it to cause him to halt in fear. Can I preach to somebody? Amen. You can't let all that God has spoken to you cause you to halt in fear. You can't allow the amount of information that you've acquired cause you to halt in fear. Amen. I know a lot of people. Amen. Let me just say this. I know a lot of people with less information doing more than people with more information doing. We've got to take it. Let me preach to the church for a moment. Amen. We've been given so great a salvation. Amen. We've been given so much revelation. Amen. Let it never be said that those with less have done more. Amen. God has blessed us with more. Let us do the most that we can. The one servant he took and he buried that talent out of fear. And I've learned that sometimes people, the amount of information they have will cause them to cease their movement. Almost like, man, you know, and I'll, I'll say this, the curse of, of intelligence is often indecision. Because you don't just see, I, I know a lot of people that aren't so smart that make a lot of decisions. And they make them quick. Amen. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But there's people that have a lot more information they, they see all sides of the coin, and they're thinking, oh, man, if I do this, I go there. If I do that, uh, and the problem is that then we fall into the, at the category of inactivity. Amen. Can I preach to somebody, uh, amen, that, 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 that we are called not to be afraid. We are called to operate in faith. Uh, amen. And, and if we've got a revelation, that revelation is never to cause us to fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. If God gives you a revelation about himself, it's not to 
cause you to cease in fear. Amen. It's to cause you to move closer. It's to cause you to move forward. And when God gives us something, when he puts something in our hands, uh, amen, it's a risk. It's always a risk. Let me just say this. Every investor takes a risk. And the greatest investor of all times is Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, he took a mighty big risk. When we look around this room, I want to tell you, you are his investment. I am his investment. And some of y'all thought, man, I'm a good investment. God bless you. For the rest of us, we weren't great investments. I thought, man. You could have really used somebody else. You could have called somebody else. That wasn't the greatest investment. But let me tell you, the king of kings has no problem taking a risk on you. But sometimes we have fear that grips our heart where we're afraid to take the risk. We're afraid to take the challenge. I want to tell you, he's already taken the risk when he put that gift in you, when he put that calling in you. He already took the greatest risk when he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. So if he called you to it, he's going to equip you for it. If God called you to it, so you're not taking the greatest risk. He's taking the greatest risk. So you might as well go out and do something with it. You might as don't focus on the risk. Focus on the reward that the king's coming back. And I want him to come back for more. I want him to see more in my heart, more in my life. Every investor takes a risk. God has taken a risk on us. Amen. But let me just say this. God is disappointed in us when we don't take risk. I'm not talking about being a bad steward. Please understand me. There's enough Bible to, to, to take this foundation. But there's people that they're so risk averse they don't step out on water at all. Yeah. Amen. I know people that can't even walk on ice. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> they have trouble walking on the seashore. Amen. God's not always asking to walk on water, but man, sometimes you've got to walk on pavement. And there's people that are so risk-averse that, well, what if it goes wrong? What if it goes bad? Amen. Let me just talk to somebody. God puts substance in our life, time, talents, and treasure. And God never puts in our life to be stagnant. Every time God puts it in our life, it is to be in motion. Stagnation of any of those areas leads to corruption. Everything that God puts in our hands is meant to pass through our hands. Anything that stays in our hands is a misuse of that thing. If God gave you a talent and it stays in your hand, it is a misuse of that talent. If God gave you treasure and it stays in your hand, it is a misuse of that treasure. If God gave you time and that time stays in your hand, it is a misuse of your time. Let's talk about it from a biblical standpoint. If you hold on to time, the Bible says you're a sluggard, you're lazy. If you hold on to treasure, the Bible says you're a hoarder, you're a miser. If you hold on to talent, you become unfruitful. Hallelujah. I don't want to be any of those things. You know, we've got a, we've got a bunch of, in, in, in Nevada, we've got a bunch of doomsday preppers. Don't be a doomsday prepper. Beans and rice in Jesus Christ. Praise God. Guns, bullets, and Jesus. I know it's 4th of July, so I might as well preach about it. Yeah, praise God. Take your Second Amendment, but please don't get a bunker. <laughs> Bunkers and baptisms, praise God. <laughs> you know what? There's people that we, we, we get to the place we start hoarding on to things and holding on to things. And we think that this is somehow the right way to do it. 
The problem with that, though, is that when we hoard or we hold on to our time, our talents, our treasures, it is a misuse of what God has put into our lives. When it comes to the talents, amen, we think God is concerned with the outcome. But let me just say this. The reason we become horrors of life, amen, whether it be time, talents, treasures, is because we're concerned with the outcome. Amen. Let me preach to all my one-talent folk. Us one-talent folk. We can't sing, dance, or tap dance. Praise God. Uh, we don't got all that stuff. But let me tell you, if we're not careful, we'll spend our whole lives looking at the five-talent person and thinking, man, I wish I could be there. I wish I could do that. And we will focus our entire attention on the outcome. But the Bible never says that the master was concerned with the outcome. I'm convinced that the five-talent man, if he would have came back with four talents, God would not have had a problem with him. The one person he had a problem with was the guy that did nothing with what was given to him. Which lets us know some about God. God is not concerned with the outcome. God is concerned with the activity. God's not concerned with how it ends up. God's concerned with, did you do something with what I put in your hands? Did you use it? Did you use it? We become collectors and hoarders because we are so concerned with the outcome. We want to make sure we got that Instagram, Facebook worthy outcome. This is why there's people that are saving, saving, saving. I'm not against saving, but they're trying to get this certain amount in their account so that they can show that they have reached this outcome. But that was never put in your hands so it could become inactive. Amen. What God was concerned with is can you put it towards the exchangers? Can you go out into the world and do business in the world and make something of it. God, is, let me just say this for everybody. If all you do is, I was a banker for nine years, so you'll understand this. Amen. If all you did was put your money in a savings account, you will lose your money. 0.0001% interest. Inflation is, what's inflation at right now? 7%? I don't even know what it is right now. You're losing money just sitting there. Amen. I want to tell you, God's not a saver. He saves, but he's not a saver. He's an investor. God is not interested in getting back what he gave to you. Amen. God's not concerned whether or not he does get back what he gave to you. But God is concerned with whether or not you utilize what he gave you in the hopes that that would turn out into a good investment. That what you that what you got in your hands, you would do something with it. Amen. Can I preach to somebody? You gotta be, you gotta beware of the play it safe mentality that says, Well, I just hold on till Jesus comes. I want to tell you, yes, you gotta take inventory in your life. You gotta go down and find out what you got. But but at the end of the day, don't just stop with a checklist. Well, I got this and I got that, and I got this and I got that. Don't just stop there. You gotta use that inventory. Don't just become a doomsday prepper. Don't just become a hoarder in life. You got to do something with it. You got to use it because if you don't use it, you will in fact lose it. That if you don't put it to work and get it moving and get it out of your hands, eventually it's going to leave your hands, but it'll never multiply. But if you if you take what God has given to you and you start utilizing it, guess what? God's going to bless where you enacted it. God's going to Bless where you activated. 
Can I preach to somebody? We are made and called to be conduits of God. God never put anything in our hands to stay in our hands. He put it so it could pass through your hands. And if God put it in your hands, you better get it out of your hands as fast as possible so that God can put more there, so it can multiply, so it can do some. Let me just preach to everybody, if you don't use some things, you lose some things. You know, if you don't use your muscles, you start losing them. Praise God. You don't use your knees, you, you lose your knees. Praise God. You don't utilize your praise. Well, I don't feel like it today. Nobody asked whether or not you felt like it. We're in the in-between moment. Amen. And he gave a praise on your lips and gave a testimony to you. And he's coming back not just for the praise he gave you. Let me just say this. We, we do testimony every so often. Amen. And I thank God we've got people with new testimonies. But I know there's some, I've been in church long enough where there's some people that go, well, 45 years ago. You mean God has not done anything for you in 45 years? You don't have a new praise on your lips. You don't have a you don't have anything new that you've gotten out of this. Amen. I want to tell you why God gives you a testimony. Amen. So you can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. But as you overcome with the blood of the Lamb and the word of that old testimony, it is you overcome in an area where you now get a new testimony. And people that use their old testimony, amen, to overcome what they're going through right now will get a new testimony. Amen. I want to preach to somebody. Don't lose your testimony. Use your testimony. Go share it with somebody. Tell them what good things the Lord's done for you. And you'll get another testimony. Put it to the exchangers. I told somebody about what God did in my life. And God started doing something in their life. And then it multiplied. Listen, God's not coming back and saying, well, who held on till I showed up? Who played it safe? Who took no risks? Who just said, well, Lord, you delivered me 45 years ago. And here I am. Open the pearly gates. I'm ready. He's going to say, what have you done with what I gave you? What have you impacted with what I gave you? Amen. I'm going to preach the, the happy stuff here in a moment. But let me just talk to somebody. If you don't use your praise, you lose your praise. If you don't enact it, well, I just I don't feel like it today. Well, you know what? If you get to the place where you don't feel it today, you won't feel it tomorrow. You won't feel it next week. I want to tell you. I make it a habit to praise the Lord. Well, pastor's feeling it today. I don't feel it uh, some days, but you know what? I made it up in my mind. Uh, praise is not for me. Praise is for the Lord. If you praise based on how you feel, you'll stop praising. If you praise God, amen, for yourself, you'll stop praising. But if you praise God because he's worthy of the praise, you'll never stop praising because God will never stop being worthy. And if you never stop praising, you'll never lose your praise. Listen, people with a prayer life, let me talk to everybody. If you stop praying, you'll lose your prayer life. Hallelujah. You stop going to the gym, you'll lose the habit of going to the gym. You stop, you stop coming to church, you're going to lose your habit of coming to church. You know what? Let me preach to somebody for a moment. I, I, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm going to preach to everybody. 2020 did something damaging to the church. 
It did two things. Number one, it revealed where some people really were. Church was just a habit. And the moment they got out of the habit, they stopped going to church. And they stopped making church their habit or their custom. I want to preach to you, church has got to go beyond just being a habit and being a custom. There's some people that after 2020 have never made their way back to church because they, they didn't use it, so they lost it. But there are some folks that in the midst of it, they said, I'm not going to stop having church, whether it's online. Amen. I'm not, I'm not going to lose my, I'm not going to lose whether it's in a parking lot, whether i got to come to a fellowship, whatever it is, and the moment I can get into church, I'm going to get into church. And they made it up in their mind, I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to lose it. And that's why some of y'all are in church today, because you made it up in your mind, I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to lose it. The servant's faithfulness was determined, not based on their return. It was determined based on their use. One that buried in the earth. He said, you slothful, wicked servant, because you did nothing with it. Amen. But the other ones, they said, Lord, we just started doing something with it. I want to tell everybody in the building, just get out and do something with what God gave you. Amen. Our, the Bible says this, our wealth is never certain. Your time, your talents, your treasure is never certain that you never know one day amen where you jump and shout at church if it's going to be the last day you get to sh jump and shout at church so you know what when you come come with the mentality i'm going to use it if I can lift my hands, I'm going to use it as long as I can lift my hands. If I can jump and shout, I'm going to use it as long as God has given me the ability to jump and shout and to use it. Amen. We are, we, are, we are to take account of our life, but we are not just to store it all up. We are to, we are to take account of it so that we can use it. Amen. I, I want to just tell everybody. You've got to use what God gives you. And I felt this so strongly this week to preach the ARC. Amen. God has put some things in this church. God has put some people. We got we got that God's put some callings and some giftings. Amen. But it was never meant to be stagnant. It was never let me preach to everybody. If you don't utilize and use the marriage God gave you, you're gonna lose it. Hallelujah. You don't use your relationships, you will lose them. Amen. You don't, you don't use your walk with God. You will lose your walk with God. But here's the best part about all of this. Everything you use will start to multiply. There's a kingdom principle here that if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. But there's another principle working here. Amen. In fact, two of them got this principle, but one didn't. Amen. He said, I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to utilize it. And I've learned in my life, amen, that if we will utilize what God has given to us, amen, that God won't just leave us with what he gave us. Amen. God has gifted you. He has qualified you. But he never intended that to be the max that you have. If you start with one, there's no Bible that says you got to end with one. If you start with two, there's no Bible that says you have to end with two. If you start with five, there's no Bible that says you have to end with five. God said, if you'll use it, you'll multiply it. If you use it, somebody ought to shout and give him praise. 
Come on, somebody ought to shout and give him praise. Use your praise. Use your hand clap. I'm going to use what God has given to me, what God has put in my spirit. Oh, somebody ought to dance for just a moment. Somebody ought to shout. In fact, let's stand across the building and give God a shout of praise. You know what? For those, and I, I'm, we're going to have a we're going to have a good altar call here in a moment. You know, if you stop speaking in tongues, eventually you'll stop speaking in tongues. Oh, brother, I just I just haven't prayed I haven't prayed through in a while. Well, today's your day. Hallelujah. Well, I just don't have faith. If you don't use your faith, you lose your faith. This is why, well, God, why am I going through all this? Because God doesn't want you to have your faith become stagnant. And when he looks down and he sees his servants in the in-between not utilizing what he gave them, he's going to put them in positions where they need to use their faith. Can I say that again? If God looks down and he sees you not using your faith, he's going to allow you to be in moments where you have no other choice than to use your faith. Because God is interested in us using what he has given to us. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. And if you don't, and if you don't use it, somebody else will. Let me just say this. I thank God for every seat in this building. I thank God for the AC that it works in the middle of the summer. Praise God for that. But you know, if you don't like your seat, somebody else will. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor, there's some empty seats here today. You're right, but not for long. Yes. You know what? It was great having that kids' revival because we had to tell some people, please stand up, move, and thank God for willing people that were just like, you know, I'll move out of my way. Because they, the, they understood what was going on. They understood we're trying to reach new people. Amen. But it was just a good glimpse. I want to tell the church it was a good glimpse of what God wants to do in this city, where he wants to fill it up, where we have, where all of a sudden we look out and go, where's my seat? I ain't got one. Looks like I'm standing the rest of the service. But can I preach to some other folks that they don't like that? I want to keep my seat. Well, brother, if you don't use that seat the way it's intended, God's going to move you up out of your seat and put somebody else there. Because right now there's somebody on a bar stool that's so sick and tired of it that's saying, God, if you'll just get me out of this, I'll serve you. And they would love an opportunity. The opportunity that we have. And if we don't use it, somebody else will. But church, I've just come to preach very simple. This is not deep. God has given it to you. And God has given it to me. And while I'm preaching, God's been speaking. Man, that thing that you started forgetting about, that God put in you, that calling, that, that, that prophecy that God put on you. Amen. I want to tell you, God never speaks things over our life in vain. He never gives you a word in vain. When God speaks it to you, it's because he wants you to do something with it. I feel like God has spoken some things to me over the last couple years. And, 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 and I don't want to be one of those when he comes back. He says, what would you do with it? Well, well, I was afraid. Listen, we've got to pray through to the place where we say, God, if you have equipped me. Let me just put it this way. God is invested in your success. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. God's invested in your success. It gives God no glory for you to fail. God doesn't call you for you to fail. God doesn't send you for you to fail. God doesn't put it in your hands for you to fail. Sometimes we fail. Amen, everybody. 
Sometimes we're the challenge. But God sets us up for success. God calls you to be successful. God calls you. He didn't call Moses to deliver Israel and then send him there and make him fail. No. When Moses said, all right, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll just show up on assignment. All of a sudden, water started turning to blood. There was, there was flies. There was light. There was all these other plagues. In other words, God backed him up because he was willing to step out in faith. Well, God, when are you going to show up? When are you going to do it? When are you going to move? When are you going to step out in faith? Say, all right, God, I'm going I don't, to, I don't have the 10 I want. I just got one right now. But I've made it up my mind. I'm not going to bury it. I'm going to plant it. And there's a difference between burying and planting. See, when, when you plant that seed, you're not just planting that seed. You're planting a tree that will produce other seeds. Uh, and there's something about that multiplication that happens. The kingdom of God is, is like going to the marketplace. And we're constantly exchanging. And when we come to church, there's an exchange that happens. When we come to the altar, there's an exchange that happens. We exchange our sin, for example, for God's salvation. There's good things that happen. We come to the altar, and God begins to speak to us. He plants something in our life. But it is our job to water it, to do something with it, and to enact it. And when we do that, it's like a seed, and it begins to multiply and grow. And God uses that to bless other people. And God has called us, church, to use everything to the fullest extent of the ability God has given us. What happens if I start and I start to stumble? You know, you ever heard of imposter syndrome? You ever? Okay, if you haven't, I'll tell you what that is. It's when you start a new job and you don't feel qualified. And you think, man, there's no way. I'm just not qualified for this. I can't do it. And, and, and you know, you start feeling like you're a fraud or a fake. You know, everybody has that. Now, some clinically have that. That's another story for another time. But everybody has that. You know, it's part of being uncomfortable in life. You get to a new stage in life. You're not capable or qualified in your own mind. You feel like an imposter. But that's how God makes us grow. God speaks the things that are not as though they were. In other words, God says, I see where you're going, Gideon. I see you as a mighty man of valor. But I'm not there right now, God. And God looks at him and says, I know. But if you'll start doing little things and enacting what you do know, you're eventually going to get there. And you know, by the end of Gideon's story, he's a mighty man of valor. David's called to be king, but he's not king yet. But he starts acting like a king. And guess what? He's the greatest king in the Bible. And there are things in this building. I feel the Holy Ghost. God has put in your spirit. You're saying, God, but I'm not there yet. And I feel like there's a, such a big disparity between where I am and where you're calling me to be. How am I going to ever accomplish any of this? I want you to get your eyes off this for just a moment and get your eyes on the step that God is calling you to do today. What can you do right now with what God has given to you? Not what can you do with what God will give you 10 years from now. We're all good dreamers, praise God. Well, in 10 years, I'll do this, that, and the other. No, no, no. What can you do today with what God has given you? And I promise you this, if you will use it, God will multiply it in you. Amen. Lift up our hands and let's pray all across this building. There's some people, as I've been preaching, God's spoken to you about some things. In fact, through this week, God's been speaking to you about some things that he wants you to start putting your feet, your faith, 
and just start walking it out. Amen. Feet to your face. Start walking it out. Say, okay, God. I'm going to utilize what you put in my spirit. I'm going to utilize what you put in my heart. I'm going to utilize what you put in my mind. I'm going to start enacting it. In fact, while I'm preaching, God's been speaking to you about some little steps, not big steps, little steps of what you can do to start enacting, uh, amen, what God has put. Sure, you're going to feel a little bit like an imposter when you first try and when you first start. You're not going to feel like you've got all the ability, and you're right, you don't, but you've got the capacity for it, and God put that capacity there. I want to open up this altar. I think we can all come down and pray and say, God, if you put it in my life, that means that you deem me worthy of it. You deem me capable of it. And God, I pray right now that very thing that you put in my mind that I've been hearing while the pastor's been preaching, I pray, God, give me give me an assignment this week. Give me an assignment this week that I can use what you've given to me and I can start enacting it. Come on all across this building. Somebody pray. You need to pray right now about that time God has given you. You may not always have that time that God has given you. You need to pray about those talents God gave you. You may not always have those talents. you got to pray about that money and that treasure God gave you. You may not always have that money. But if you will pray about what to do with it, God will give you a word. God will give you a word. And I promise you this, if you use it, you'll multiply it. If you do something with it for God, you'll multiply it. I will give you every He said, I'll give to you. Amen. I want to tell you, everyone that's not using it is going to lose it, but everyone that's using it, God says, I'm going to take from them, and I'm going to put it in your spirit. God, if they don't want the calling, we'll take it. If they don't want the anointing, we'll take it. If they don't want the blessing, we'll take it. If they don't want the talent, we'll take it. If they don't want the time, we'll take it. Go ahead and just say, God, I'm going to use it for your kingdom. this altar. Don't lose this altar. Use this altar and pray. Use this walk with God and pray. Don't lose it. Multiply it. Do something with it.
Come on, somebody in here. I'm making it up in my mind. I'm going to use time for Jesus. I'm going to use my talents for Jesus. I'm going to use my treasures for Jesus.